Slava Isis Agastu, Slava Navika. Glory be to Jesus Christ, glory be forever. It's Father Basil again doing another podcast. Hope everyone is doing well wherever you're listening from today. I'm going to read from this book again, Light for Life, Part 2, The Mystery Celebrated, from God With Us Publications. And we're going to talk about the major feasts of the Lord, what's called the immovable cycle. A second cycle of feasts in the church year is called the immovable cycle because these observances are kept on the same date every year. Chief of these are the feasts of Christmas and the Theophany. Christmas, on December 25th, remembers the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Theophany, January 6th, remembers the baptism of the Lord in the River Jordan by the Holy Prophet John. They are closely connected because they celebrate the appearance of our Lord in the world. They are a development of our understanding of the identity of Jesus Christ. When he was recognized as Son of God by his resurrection, early Christians also began to appreciate this mystery of his incarnation in the gospel events of his birth and baptism. His birth is described in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, with wise men from the East recognizing him as Messiah and King, and with angels proclaiming him as such to shepherds. At his baptism, John recognized him as the great prophet who was to come. The Father from heaven declared him to be a son, and the Spirit came upon him, revealing him to the Messiah, to be the Messiah. Both of these feasts have been called other Paschas, in that the same mystery is present in both, the self-emptying of the Son of God to become a man, to live among us and to accomplish our salvation. St. Paul grasped the essence of this event and wrote, Though he was in the form of God, he did not deem equality with God something to be grasped at. Rather, he emptied himself and took on the form of a slave, being born in the likeness of men. The Feast of Theophany probably dates from the 3rd century. Before that, only one annual feast, that of the Lord's Resurrection, was observed. This does not mean that the event of our Lord's baptism was not a part of the gospel message of salvation, but only that the complete Christian calendar grew in history as a way of presenting the whole proclamation of the gospel during the year of the life of the church. While many in the early church sought to determine the date of our Lord's birth, or his baptism in the Jordan, our observances of these feasts are connected more with annual calendar events than with historical dates. Their dates fall around the winter solstice, when the days begin to lengthen. All the pagan religions kept a feast around this time as a rebirth of hope and the return of the sun and warmth. Christians could not take part in the pagan festivities of false worship. Instead, they celebrated the beginning of the life of the true Son of God, the light of life. Thus, the Feast of Theophany was most likely introduced in Alexandria, Egypt, to counteract the Gnostic feast on the same day. Gnosticism and early heresy denied the humanity of Jesus 
and taught that the Son of God only entered Jesus at his baptism. Instead, Orthodox Christians celebrated the glorification of the Lord at his baptism as a manifestation of the Trinity. In Egypt, the rising of the River Nile was of particular importance for the harvest and the life of the country. The Christians there chose the beginnings of the Gospels of Mark and John as the basis for their feast. These two Gospels begin the story of Jesus with his public life through baptism in the River Jordan. The sanctification of this river was seen as the model for the sanctification of all waters, representing life, particularly the River Nile. While the Eastern Churches emphasized the manifestation of the Lord at the Jordan, the Western Church was to develop the Feast of Christ's birth by the Virgin Mary. The Feast of Christmas originated in Rome. Since the pagan feast celebrating the lengthening of the day as the rebirth of the sun, the, cho the Christians chose to commemorate the beginning of Christ's life on that occasion. They celebrated the coming of the true light into the world and the birth of the Son of God. The feast existed as early as the third century. In, most, in, in time, most Eastern churches would add the feast of Christmas on December 25th but retained the Feast of Theophany as a celebration of the Lord's baptism and expression of the profound theology connected with it. The West was later to accept the Feast of Theophany, but changed it to commemorate the manifestation, Epiphany, of Jesus to the Gentile nations to the Persian wise men. Another ancient feast combining the incarnational and redemptive themes of Christmas and Pascha dates from possibly the 3rd century in the East. This is the Feast of the Annunciation of our Lord, March 25th. It commemorates the visit of the Archangel Gabriel to Mary announcing, The Holy Spirit will come up down upon you, and the power of the Most High shall overshadow you. You shall conceive and bear a son and give him the name Jesus. The mystery of the Lord's conception and his death bear a close connection. Both are manifestations of his love for us, his kenosis, self-emptying for our sake, by which his life and love can fill us. March 25th is important in marking the beginning of spring with new life in nature in dating our Lord's conception in the flesh at nine months before the feast of his birth, and in being the traditional date of his crucifixion or resurrection with his humbling himself even to death for our salvation. Other feasts of the Lord were added later to the calendar. The most important of these is the Feast of the Exaltation of the Holy Cross, September 14th clearly celebrating again the central mystery of the Christian faith. September marked the beginning of the new year in the Byzantine Empire at about the same time as the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah. The feast commemorates the recovery by St. Helen, Constantine's mother, of the Lord's cross when Christianity was, beginning, was becoming the religion of the empire. Celebrated in Europe on May 3rd, the feast was kept on September 14th in Jerusalem for two reasons. First, was the connection with the new year, and second, 
was the dedication of the Church of the Resurrection of Jerusalem, built by the Emperor Constantine on the sites of our Lord's crucifixion and resurrection. The feast also came to celebrate the Emperor Heraclius' 7th century victory over the pagan Persians, which liberated the Holy Land. When the cross was returned to Jerusalem, it was the occasion of a great celebration. This is remembered in the ceremony of the exaltation, in which the cross is elevated for veneration by the congregation. Since the cross always remembers the central act of our salvation, this feast, September 14th, is traditionally solemnized in the East as a day of fasting in honor of our Lord, who suffered on the cross. Special celebrations on the Saturdays and Sundays before and after the feast focus on the theme of the meaning of the cross and emphasize its importance. They invite us to follow closely after our Lord Jesus Christ, who taught, If a man wishes to come after me, he must deny his very self take up his cross, and follow on my steps. In the Byzantine churches, the date for the Feast of the Transfiguration is linked to the date of the exaltation of the cross. By tradition, 40 days elapsed between the Lord's Transfiguration into glory in Mount Tabor and the sight of the Apostles Peter, James, and John and his crucifixion. The Feast of the Transfiguration, which is August 6th, is celebrated 40 days before that of the Holy Cross, instead of during the first week of the Great Fast. The Transfiguration itself has become a major event in the spiritual theology of the Byzantine churches and deserves special attention. Human nature is revealed as glorified, deified, and filled with the light of God through the dual nature of Jesus Christ, who is God become fully man. <clears throat> so I'm just going to go over some of the major feasts of Jesus, okay, and Mary. So there's 12 great feasts during the year that we celebrate. So the first is the Nativity of the Theotokos, which is September 8th. And that is, commemorates Mary's birth and heralding the coming of Christ. And there's one day of preparation and five days of prose feast. The next one is September 14th, the exaltation of the Holy Cross, the precious cross. And that is the discovery of the cross calls everyone to worship Christ. There's three days of preparation and eight days of prose feast. The next one is November 21st, the entrance of the Theotokos into the temple. The holiness of Mary expressed by her entry into the temple when she was three years old. There's one day of preparation and five days of post-feast. Of course, everyone knows December 25th, the Nativity of Christ, that is Christmas. The saving presence of God in the world to Christ. There's a 40-day fast period called Polypica before this, two preparatory Sundays, a five-day vigil, and seven fast-free days of celebration. 
So we celebrate this for seven days after Christmas. The next one is January 6th, the Holy Theophany of Christ. That is the manifestation of the Trinity at Christ's baptism. And then there's a pre preparatory weekend, a four-day vigil, and nine days of post-feast. The next one is called the Hepapati, the encounter of Christ in the temple. That is Christ's meeting with his people when he was presented into the temple by his parents. This is celebrated on February 2nd, and it is one day of preparation and from two to eight days of celebration, depending on the Feast of Pascha. The next one is March 25th, which is the Annunciation, where Christ is incarnate at Gabriel's word. This is where Mary was told by the Archangel Gabriel that she was going to become pregnant with Jesus Christ. And there's one day of preparation and two days of post-feast. The next one is Palm Sunday, the entrance of Christ into Jerusalem. That is the coming of the kingdom of God, one day of celebration. The next is Ascension Thursday, the holy ascension of Christ into his heavenly home. Christ sitting at the Father's right hand. There's nine days of post-feast after this. The next is the transfiguration of our Christ. Christ's glory shown before his passion. This is on August 6th, one day of preparation and eight days of post-feast. And then August 15th is called the Domitian or Assumption of the Theotokos, the Mother of God. That is when the Mother of God, Mary, fell asleep on this earth and died and went to heaven. The repose and glorification of the Mother of God. This has a 14-day fast period pre, uh, before the feast, and then one day of preparation and nine days of post-feast celebration. So again, those are the 12 great feasts that we celebrate every year. I'll repeat them. The Nativity, the birth of Mary, the Mother of God, on September 8th. The Exaltation of the Precious Cross on September 14th. The Entrance of the Theotokos into the Temple, November 21st. Nativity of Christ, Christmas, December 25th. Holy Theophany, January 6th. The Encounter of Christ in the Temple, February 2nd. The Annunciation, March 25th. The Entrance of Christ into Jerusalem, Palm Sunday. Holy Ascension of Christ, always on Ascension Thursday, that is uh, 40 days after Easter. And then Transfiguration of Christ, August 6th. And then Dermission, our Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Theotokos, August 15th. Those are the most important feasts next to Easter during the year. And now I'm just going to mention before I finish today uh, about the calendar. So, you know, some people are very concerned that 
we're getting rid of the old calendar, the Julian calendar. And I'm just going to talk about this. Since the 16th century, the Christian world has been embroiled in the calendar question. The Julian calendar, adopted in Rome in 45 BC, was found to be inaccurate as early as the First Ecumenical Council in AD 325. Until the Muslim conquest of the Middle East in the 8th century, this error was corrected on an annual basis. In 1582, Pope Gregory XIII abolished the Julian calendar, replacing it with the Gregorian calendar. In the Gregorian calendar, fixed dates occur 13 days before the corresponding day in the Julian calendar. The Gregorian calendar was adopted by the Roman Catholic countries and rejected by other Western states, including Britain and its American colonies. The Eastern churches rejected it because it caused Pascha to be celebrated with and sometimes even before the Jews. Since then, the non-Catholic countries of Europe and the rest of the world have adopted the Gregorian calendar for civil purposes. Some Eastern churches continue to use the Julian calendar. Others employ a mixed calendar in which Pascha is computed according to the Julian and the fixed feasts are computed by the Gregorian calendar. So according to the Julian calendar, the old calendar, what we call, the Paschal cycle or Easter is, is determined according to the Nicene Council. That is, the fixed dates are 13 days after the civil date. So example, the Julian Christmas is 13 days after the Gregorian Christmas, which is December 25th. And the Julian Christmas falls on January 7th. And this calendar is used by many Orthodox and Greek Catholic churches, both in North America and abroad. The Gregorian calendar, that is what we call the new calendar, according, that's the civic calendar that most of the world follows now, according to the civil calendar. And uh, many Greek Catholic and some Orthodox churches uh, Armenian, Finnish, Syrian, and Indian in the U.S. and abroad use this calendar. Now there's also the mixed calendar, which is uh, the Paschal cycle, the Easter is determined by the Nicene Council, but the fixed feasts are according to the civil calendar. So they, they basically have Easter on the old calendar, but use the other dates according to the new Gregorian calendar. Hmm. And many Orthodox and some Greek Catholic churches use this cycle. So that's, that's uh, very interesting on who uses which calendar uh, to uh, determine the dates of Christmas and Easter. Uh, in our you know, North America, the majority of churches use the Gregorian calendar. That is, they celebrate Christmas on December 25th and Easter 
according to what the civic calendar or the civil calendar uh, determines Easter to be. But there are some churches still that use the old um, Julian calendar that they determine that Christmas is going to be January 7th. And then Easter is going to be determined um, according to uh, the... the um, there, there's a complicated formula that they determine what Easter is going to be. It's basically the first uh, full moon after uh, the spring equinox. That's how Easter is determined. Okay, so that's that's a different calendar. Anyways, uh, I'll talk to enough today. God bless you. Have a good day.